Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is church websites. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on those running shoes, or pick up those knitting needles and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I am Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor of Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, church websites. Do you have to have one? Does the ELCA require it? The ELCA does not require it. Okay. However... Not even in this day and age, huh? Not even in this day and age. The ELCA really can't require much at all of any particular churches. They can strongly encourage, but requirements are really hard to do. So in general, there are no requirements. However, in this modern day and age, I would say that it is incredibly incumbent upon a congregation to have a website. Yes, and please keep it current. I know it's so hard to do, but it's so important. I know. I remember it was years, like at least a decade ago, we're trying to find a church, mm-hmm. just looking for one. Mm-hmm. And in those days, you had to use the phone book. You did. I did this as well. It was so irritating to me that the recorded message would not have any information or would be out of date. And then you had absolutely no way of finding out when their service was or what was going on. And it seems to me that websites have taken over that particular use. Yes, and. Okay. Well, for one, very few people actually go to the phone book anymore. To like, I don't even own one. You know what happens when that phone book comes to my house? <laughs> recycle. I recycle it right away. Right. I mean, it's possible that there are still some folks who have the yellow pages and like, look, but we do not pay to be listed in the yellow pages anymore. It just doesn't have the bang for the buck that we're looking for. Most people, I think, now do go on the web Mm -hmm. and run the search, like Lutheran Churches, Northeast Portland, Oregon. That was actually a search hit that I saw today when I was looking at the metrics for our website Okay, that someone used in order to be able to find a local church to attend. And... Those kinds of things, you want to be able to be findable, you want to have the current information up. Yes, please. It's difficult. And I will say when it comes to like phone messages, it's really hard to remember sometimes to update the (laughs) message on the phone. I get it. Totally guilty of not having updated the phone messages myself before. And really important that service times are current on your answering machine because there are people calling in to find out. Yes, there are. And really important that your website has that current information on it and that the website is at least effective in communicating base information as you're working on it. Sure. So if all it really has is the current and accurate times of your service, your current location and address, and your current email and phone number, fine. That's good enough. If nothing else, have that somewhere in a relatively attractive manner in a current programming language that will actually work across different browsers, and you're good to go. Uh-huh. And maybe even, this is a stretch, but also look pretty good on a phone. Because so most the people are going to be using the mobile aspect, right? You're totally accurate. So then that's like the next level. Oh my goodness, that's next level. Okay. That's next level. So next level is making certain that it is compatible across devices and browsers. Okay. Because someone who's using Microsoft Explorer to be able to go on the web versus someone who's looking via Apple Safari Mm -hmm. versus someone who's using Firefox versus someone who's using Chrome, 
all of those present your website slightly differently or can. And if your programming on the back end doesn't line up with how the browsers read it, you could get some really, really funky looking stuff depending upon the browser. And you would have no idea if you don't cross check it. And then as you're saying, now you want something that's scalable so mm -hmm. that it'll work on a mobile phone or a tablet as well as working on a desktop machine. This sounds like something that most churches are going to be like, mm, way too complicated. Do most churches have a website? Most churches do now. Okay. I think that in the last five years, even the slowest churches are kind of catching up and getting a website. Okay. I would say when I first started 15 years ago, having a website was a little more cutting edge, which is kind of sad but true. Uh-huh. Having a website that was to current programming and design standards was really cutting edge. Uh-huh. And then, you know, in the last couple of years, having a website that's going to cross-platform is really what a good website will do. Mm -hmm. Now, there's lots of different ways that you can do this. You could hire someone. Sure. You could find someone in your congregation who sure. can do this kind of stuff. And inevitably, I think in almost every single congregation now, there is someone who's done some website dabbling. Sure. Or there's a teenager. Right. And basic. I mean, you can make a blog totally work mm -hmm. if you need to go that basic. You can make that work as a church website. And there are basic tutorials that can get you through to go to wordpress.org and just create a basic thing and boom, you've got a bit of a website out there. Now, even if they don't require it, does the ELSA help you build something like this? <laughs> Lots of folks have asked and that I know of, no. No? Oh, that's no. shocking to me. What they do is if you have a website, when we submit our annual reports, we can tell them what the website is, and then they link to it okay. from our national report. But beyond that, they don't assist in maintaining or creating anything on the web. I get the not maintaining, but I would have assumed that they would have had a template, like, no. here. No. Take uh, this I and think, run. I think maybe at one point in time, Thrivent might have offered that mm. to churches. But and for those who don't know what Thrivent is... Thrivend is a financial solutions company uh -huh. that used to be actually two different companies, Aid Association for Lutherans and Lutheran Brotherhood, uh -huh. and they combined to become Thrivent Financial Solutions. Before they became Thrivent Financial Solutions, they were Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Okay. And so they've been taking so several directly steps. linked, essentially. They were. They used to be. Now they're a little more open. Okay. It used to be that you needed to be a member of a Lutheran congregation to be able to work with Thrivent. Now okay. you don't. So I think that Thrivent at one point had the capacity to help you out with a website just so you'd have a landing page. Sure. I never pursued that because I've always worked with web pages and web development. So I've been able to do better than that. Ultimately, who at the church is in charge of it? Is that something the council has say in what goes on it or is it the pastor? Great question. I think it's whoever has the skills and capacities to create the site. Okay. Unfortunately, that's a really great question. Something I actually haven't thought about. It could be a wonderful role for a committee or for a group to be responsible for what does this look like? How does this work? When I got here, there was a bit of a communications committee that was working on, you know, how should this look and how should this mm -hmm. appear? 
we updated our website here at Central about four years ago, did a new launch to a new platform. So we moved from, lots of people may have heard of WordPress, Uh which has a whole bunch of different templates and different ways that you can set up a website. Lots of people like WordPress and they use it. I find the back end really difficult to work with okay, and difficult to maneuver. And this is coming from someone who's worked everywhere from way back when. Pastor Amanda's tech savvy for all those who aren't in on it. <laughs> well, she knows what she's doing. <laughs> Front page was the 2000s, like the late 90s, early 1000s mm-hmm. web programming thing from Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And then moved on through to Dreamweaver, which is Adobe's big beast for developers. I remember that one. That one's tough. And then from there, they started to have what's called WYSIWYG editors. Mm -hmm. So what you see is what you get editors. And that's where like WordPress comes along and really helped a lot of congregations step in because Dreamweaver is really hard. Mm -hmm. You have to actually know how to program in the language in HTML for some of that stuff to work. And that's not easy to do. And so once you start to get WYSIWYG editors around 2008, 2009, really coming into capacity for people to have access to easily, then things really took off in like 2010, 2011 for churches to have fairly current, active, viable websites. Well, they're going to look pretty good and they're going to be pretty easy to update. Right. That's the advantages. Totally helpful. Mm -hmm. And WordPress filled that for quite a while. Now my favorite right now is Squarespace. Mm -hmm. That's where we have our website. Central Lutheran is hosted on Squarespace. My personal website, takemywheels.org, is on Squarespace. I administer a website for a friend, and I put him on Squarespace because it's just so easy. Mm -hmm. I tried WordPress for a little bit to try something a little less expensive, but the amount of time I was putting in on it It Made it not worth it. Made it not worth it. Made it just as expensive. And I couldn't host audio. I couldn't host video easily. So Squarespace really has done a great job of making a sleek and clean-looking website really easy. Word to the wise, we would not have the podcast were it not for Squarespace. Exactly. And what this web host allows us to do is just put up our file Mm -hmm. and it pushes it right to iTunes. So in that way, finding a good host and finding a good place to actually have your site stored makes all the difference in the world in your capacities to do outreach. So this podcast, a blog, the curriculum I'm developing for my doctorate work, all of that hosts really easily by doing the back-end homework of figuring out how do I find a host that makes this accessible, swift to edit, and easy to keep contemporary and modern. In your opinion, is it necessary to have a website to be able to do outreach as a church? It's a big question. And partially, I think it's context. I think it is necessary in an urban environment. Okay, which we're in. Which we are in. And I think that not even just outreach, but we interact with our members mostly digitally right Mm -hmm. now. We only send out a certain amount of hard copy mailings. Like our congregation isn't large enough to hit the minimum number of pieces of mail to qualify for bulk rate. Oh, interesting. And And that does make a difference. It makes a huge difference, right? Another congregation I served, we were like 
10 pieces away uh-huh. from being able to qualify for bulk. So we just sent Made an, up 10 addresses. We just sent an extra five <laughs> copies of it to each of the pastors, right? <laughs> right. So that we could hit that because it saved us so many hundreds of dollars to just put those 10 pieces in. Sure. But we, at this congregation, we are far away from being able to hit that minimum for bulk rate. So instead, we even have in our bylaws an ability to send out notices digitally for events. Okay. And then we have 20 addresses that we snail mail copies to. All right. Out of our entire congregation, there are 20. And everybody else is reached digitally. Interesting. And I think that that will be more and more of a trend, at least for urban churches and larger churches. There are different programs and different things that allow people to do push text messages and Mm -hmm. things like that. We don't have that capacity here. I don't see us heading that direction because that's a pretty big service. It comes with a pretty big paycheck Mm -hmm. on the other side of that. But those are the kinds of things that make the change. And you do need to have a digital presence in order to have access to that kind of stuff. Sure. So what would you suggest to a church putting together a website as material that should definitely be on there other than the bare minimums we've talked about? That's a good question. I think you want images of the church. Yeah. Right now, really common and prevalent in website stuff that's catching to people are big, vibrant images and video. Okay. And that's something I haven't incorporated into our site as of yet, which are like scrolling images on banners and things like that. I've taken a little bit of video that I could use, but I've just not, since I've been working on this doctorate, I haven't had the time to sit down and really update this website in a way. I changed the general format of it about a year ago, and that changed up the look of it Mm -hmm. for a little while. Same material is all there. It just changed the general presentation, Mm -hmm. partially to make the links easier to find. So the things that you need to keep in mind as you're building your church website are, what are your church demographics? Okay. There are some really cool websites, templates available. But if your primary demographic of who is using the site to actually find out, like, is the card group meeting on Thursday? Uh-huh. And if they are in their 60s and older Having the coolest new website... Oh, that's meaningless. ...may not be functional. And so you need to think about who's actually going to be using it. So if you look at our website, centralportland.org, you're going to see a couple of things about it. The first landing page, well, during this season, the very first landing page that you're going to see is an announcement of big events that are happening. Yep. So that people who just want to know, when is the sing-along messiah which will have happened before this podcast gets produced. It will. But is the big event that's going to be happening in this next week. I just checked the metrics today, and we had an 80% uptick. Oh, wow. In people checking our website in the last 30 days. Yeah, but still on that page is a very obvious, very easy link to the rest of the website and to the podcast directly. Absolutely. So then... The first page is just what is the thing that people are going to be looking for the most right now? That's what's up in this season. So right now it's the Sing Along Messiah. By the time this podcast is produced, it will be our Christmas Eve services. Sure. will be that very first landing page, and then it goes to the homepage. Most of the year, when it's not Christmas Eve or Holy Week or that kind of an event, 
most of the year, it's our big homepage. And if you see that page, you'll see that it scrolls, which works really well on mobile phones right now. Oh, good. To have a big, long scrolling page. Okay. And so that long scrolling page has a ton of information for visitors. Okay. People who want to know more about our church. It's not stuff that if you're a regular member here, you're going to scroll through. Because you know (laughs) who your staff are. You know what worship is like. You don't need a general welcome message from the pastor. For the general user, then, there's two big old links. Uh It's like, live stream our service right here so that our homebound, or if you're sick, you could just pop on our site and click on the live stream or podcast, right? So people can find the podcast really easily. So you really kind of have to walk a delicate balance between people who've never been to the church or the Mm -hmm. website before and people who use it all the time. Exactly. And that's what you're trying to find that balance for. And then you'll see like a menu across the top in this current template has drop downs so that people can find out learning hour topics or what events are coming up or what are the announcements happening or where's the latest newsletter And that kind of information is kind of that next step deep. Mm -hmm. If you have a guest or a visitor that's just checking you out, they're probably just going to scroll on that front page. Okay. Maybe they're going to click through to something else. If you have your regular users who just want to try to get to the live stream, you've given them a quick and easy access to their shortcut. If you have a member who's looking for what are the events coming up or what was learning hour again this week, they're going to know where to click in order to go that much deeper to find what they're looking for. Okay. And then in general, people who really want to dig in and learn more about the church will follow all those links and will find their way through and dig on through the website. You want information about things that your congregation's passionate about or information about big things that are coming up and events that are coming up. We have a big fundraiser we do every year here that's the cabaret. And so today I updated the cabaret pages and got the new date listed. And nice. It's on the calendar. On the calendar. It's all there. And then for that fundraiser, we have examples of like what all was up for silent auction last year to get people excited. Mm-hmm. And those kinds of pieces are all there. So people can, if they choose, go dig and find fun stuff to relate to in the church. Again, if all you have is the listing of when your service is, That's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But as you're thinking through who's going to use your site and how are they going to use it, that's when you can start digging into it, digging it deeper, but still figuring out how to make it easy to see it. Sure. Our first one on Squarespace was so cool looking. It was awesome. But people couldn't find the links. Yeah, that's not very helpful. Because the links were intuitive. Like, oh, like yeah, you no. should know that if someone says, check out our newsletter, that that's going to be a link. And mm-hmm. younger generations would probably just push it mm-hmm. because they would assume that there would mm-hmm. be a link there. But older generations were expecting to see the line underneath in order for it to be a link. And they were never going to find it. And so they never found it. So that's why we changed the actual template that we have right now. Can you? Should you? judge a church by its website the same way you should never judge a book by its cover it's so hard because we do don't we oh totally (laughs) i'm sorry but if you don't have the current times i'm judging you yeah it's really hard i don't even care necessarily what it looks like as long as you have 
the basic information right. I don't need the bells and whistles if I'm just looking for the times. <laughs> the other thing that drives me crazy, uh-huh. and this is websites in general, I'm not calling out churches, but if you have a link on there, but there's nothing on the page that you link to, it says work in progress, just leave it out. Oh. Just leave it out. Because <laughs> now I'm mad I clicked on the link and there's nothing there. Yeah. It's a, another way that you're presenting your church. Yeah. And I would say maybe don't completely rule out a church if they don't have a current or snazzy website. If you can figure out when to go. Exactly. <laughs> Give them a chance and figure out who they are. And then if you have the skills to help them with that, maybe volunteer to help out. <laughs> they are going to need it. Because they clearly need it. When it comes to my churches and my web, because I've inevitably taken care of websites when I've been serving churches, because I like doing it. Sure. It's fun. I enjoy building websites. It's just a hobby that I enjoy very much. You can judge me, but don't judge my church. Okay. So if I haven't maintained and I haven't updated the events page or made certain that the newest information about the learning hour is up on the website, you can totally judge me okay, as being overwhelmed and maybe needing to figure out better priorities, but don't judge my church because it's not their fault. Okay. That's about making certain that we have all the things in place that our administrative is running smoothly. And I think that maybe that's more of what you can judge by a church website is their administrative back end. Oh, okay. You may not be able to judge whether the church is going to be welcoming or whether the church is going to care about visitors or whether the church is going to have a strong mission statement. You can tell whether or not a church has a really functioning admin team and a really functional programmatic system Mm -hmm. by how frequently or how well things stay updated. And that you can take a gander at. All right. Fair enough. So then do churches see this website as a purely functional thing or is it part of the ministry that the church provides? I don't know about church's viewpoints. Okay. I will say from my own viewpoint. Okay. I think it is the ministry. Okay. And I say that because... As someone who does the design work, who enjoys creating the space, that that's what it is. It's creating a space for people to experience the beginning of knowing who your community is online. Okay. And that is a ministry. It's hard nowadays to get people to join in an online forum and have conversations. It's hard to create a community online. I know that we have all these social media things that everybody says we're all so much community online and that kind of a thing. Yeah. But to get an actual functional group of people finding strong and good, deep relational work via online, I haven't seen it in a long time. Well, let's be honest. Text and written word It's hard to get the nuances Mm -hmm. of conversation and feelings and ideas without potentially hurting somebody. It's possible, but it takes a ton of work. You've got to be a good writer to be able to get your voice in that way when you just have the written word. And it takes a ton of engagement. Like if we think about the Facebook groups that are out there that are functional and the Facebook groups that are not so functional... Mm -hmm. And when they actually are communities of care and communities of nurture and support, it takes 
a really strong commitment in the same way that a new congregation takes a really strong commitment from a few people to really get going. And so websites are not going to be cozy, warm, communal spaces where people talk and share their hearts. That's not going to be what it is anymore. Maybe in 2002, when things were first kicking off, you know, or the late 90s, when things were first kicking off with online chat groups and things like that, maybe some of that support network and sort of thing was real then. Now, in our current climate, that's not where people are going for that. They're actually... I think we're turning back to in-person group meets. Mm, okay. So your website is not going to be about creating a space for conversation or those kinds of things, but it is a space to show those outside who are looking to be able to come in to a place or looking for a place where they want to belong. I mean, let's face it, especially in the Pacific Northwest, if someone is finding your website, they are looking for a church to come to. Yeah. It's not by accident. It's not by accident. They're just not stumbling onto your website. If someone has searched out your website and is looking at your church, they are looking to find out why they might belong there Mm -hmm. and what about that church may welcome them. And it's not just a drive-by kind of thing, not in the Pacific Northwest. People are going to land on that site and you are there to tell them, this is a place for you. And this is a place where you can be welcome. And this is a place where we try to achieve things together. So come and talk to us. And that's the kind of thing that a website can do. For me, I find that to be a viable ministry. I find that to be an important ministry. And I know that there are people who have come to this congregation who have attended because of the welcome that they have received on our website. Oh, that's nice. So that matters. It totally matters. It matters. Okay, last question. Yep. What's your favorite part about designing a website? I think my favorite part is trying to find a way to make things look visually pleasing. So picking fonts? Because uh, <laughs> no? that was always what mired me down. I got bogged down completely. <laughs> Not as much as picking fonts anymore because you're cross-platform stuff. Oh, sure. And so you don't know whether or not your font is going to cross-platform. You can't pick a funky font because it's not going to look good on somebody's something-something. Exactly. I think for me, it's finding a way to make something look visually pleasing yet accessible and informative. Mm -hmm. And creating a space that is utilitarian and that it gets the information that you need to you. Uh Uh-huh but is beautiful to look at sure throughout so beauty and function that's my favorite part of designing a website and i'm using templates i'm not doing the back end design stuff anymore you're not going to move it pixel by pixel I'm to not, make sure it's in the right spot right i'm not doing that anymore <laughs> since i'm using those basic templates i think Squarespace just put out eight new ones, so I sat for two hours perusing the eight new ones <laughs> on my day off. You are a total website nerd. I'm a nerd, <laughs> so that I could see, like, where's the functionality in this compared to, like, the beauty of it. They're sure. really beautiful, but they don't have the functionality that my end users need. Sure. So I love doing that kind of stuff, thinking of the people that I'm creating a space for, thinking of what they need, thinking of what's going to be appealing to them visually, and meeting their information needs. I just love that logical game of doing that stuff. Excellent. 
Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about church websites. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. It's my pleasure. And for those of you out there who haven't yet been there, go check out centralportland.org and leave us a message either on iTunes with a review or send us an email at podcast at centralportland.org. We would love to hear from you. If you are a church person and you're looking for more information on church web design and you'd like some help, I'm happy to talk with you. You can email me personally at pastor at centralportland.org and I'd be happy to give you advice. In the meantime, have a fabulous day. And until we are in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.